0: And welcome to Queer as the a podcast bringing you queer history from around the world and throughout time. I'm Irene. I'm Alice. I'm Eli. And today we're going to be talking about Punjabi Sufi poet Shah Hussain. We do have a few content warnings before we start. Um, there will be a relationship with a large age difference. I'm not sure exactly how large but we know that it's large, as well as one fairly gruesome threat of execution, though nobody actually gets executed. Um, There will also be poetic description of sex.
1: Okay. That's a more pleasant content warning than the other ones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the description of sex is negative in any way. I just feel that people should be flagged that it's definitely sex. Okay. Okay. I also want to talk a little bit about sources. You all know this has to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Unfortunately, while there was a like, definitive English language translation, like a collection of Hussein's poems published a few years ago, I think it was 2016, it is not available in Australia. There are no copies in oh. Australia. It's out of print. Oh, oh cool. The Australian Kobo store. Did not have it for sale. I could have bought it as an ebook from Amazon, but I have ethical problems with Amazon, so I gave up on that and just lived with the poems that I could see on Google Books, the oh, preview, yeah. in terms of seeing his actual work. Much of what we know about his biography comes from a lengthy biographical poem written not long after his death called Hakikat al Um This poem was written by Sheikh Mahmud ibn Muhammad Pir in 1662 so 62 years after Shah Hussein's death okay the author's connection to Shah Hussein was his father had been a close friend of Shah Hussein and the author himself was an attendant to Hussain's longtime disciple and lover Maju. So it's not quite a primary source but it's like pretty good. yeah, it's fairly close in time to a primary source. He's very much writing it from the point of view that, Shah Hussein is kind of a saint or oh, like a okay. spiritual leader. So you can sort of imagine, I guess, the effect that has on mm-hmm. the text. Mm. Um, so we're not going to hear about anything bad he might have done. Oh, uh, that's not true. Oh, okay. We're going to hear about things he's done that were perceived as negative in society at the time. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the spin that they put on them is quite... Generous. Yeah, is quite generous or is quite positive but they're often like definitely things that would have been perceived as negative socially mm-hmm. that's not to say Shah Hussein ever did a murder or anything he was just like did a lot of not socially acceptable behaviors
1: how tantalizingly
0: vague <laughs> <laughs> so excerpts of this poem are available in English again I didn't get to read the whole thing when I quote you the poem today the translation is by an American Muslim named Scott Kugel He's written a number of papers on Shah Hussein, generally from like a sort of queer perspective. I just at this point wanted to include a quote from Scott Kugel about what inspired him to write about Hussain from this perspective. And he said about like, it was a chapter in a book that he wrote, this chapter was inspired by the idea that Islamic studies would be much more interesting if we take seriously the concepts of gender and sexuality. And I was like, that's just an intensely relatable approach to look at your field of study and be like, but what if? What if we actually talked about queer stuff in this field? Yeah. Good on you, Kugel. Yeah, so that's Kugs. Kugs. <laughs> I'll make Kugs. Yeah. So in the gaps that Scott left, there were, like, I relied on assorted other scholars. One of the other major ones was Lajwanti Ramakrishna. Ramakrishna is seen as one of, like, the definitive English language scholars on Shah Hussain. I don't want to speak negatively about her. She was an, an Indian woman writing a PhD on a queer Muslim man in the 1930s in England. Oh, oh wow, well, okay. I Good don't know her. how she managed to, like, get away with make that. this happen at all, but I do think it means that she's had to, like, take certain angles right. on the way that she speaks mm-hmm. about him and, like, his relationships. Oh, yeah. How much do we know about her? I tried to look into it and could find very little. Um, so she just wrote her PhD and then she was like, goodbye, Like, likes. she wrote further books sort of in the area, but I couldn't find anything much about her life. Okay. Um, every once in a while, later scholars will accidentally use he pronouns for oh. her because it's just never occurred <laughs> yeah. to them that... that maybe... What was her name? Lajvanti Ramakrishna. Okay. Yeah, like, I did double-check a couple of times being like, no, this is definitely a woman. <laughs> They're just like, oh, yeah, scholars. Scholars are men. Yeah. I think it is kind of
1: like a little bit fair to assume in the 1930s that a scholar was a man, but only like a tiny teensy-weensy bit. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like
0: you can see how the mistake happened, but it doesn't take you that long to check that kind of thing. And I did find modern scholars were sometimes quite disparaging of her, but Mm -hmm. I want to be clear that I don't think she was actually a bad scholar. I think she's just working in like Mm -hmm. difficult circumstances. So, Shah hussein was born in 1539 in Lahore. This is in the Punjab region of South Asia. So, it's time for queerest fact geography. <laughs> Who knows where Punjab is? North India? Good, good. Yeah. Southeast Asia? <laughs> Northwest India? Oh, you're doing so well. <laughs> I got this. Yeah, you do. This is way better than when we have to do America. <laughs> yeah. So, Punjab is like, Currently, it, like, crosses the border between India and Pakistan. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is the northwest of India. Um, so you're, like, in the I, right there. Yeah, I had in my head, I was like, is it India? Is it Pakistan? Well, I know Pakistan is northwest of India, so if I say northwest India, maybe I'll be right. Oh, <laughs> yes. You are right. <laughs> it's um, cunning. Obviously, at the time, Pakistan did not exist, and no. nor did India as, as a concept. we know it. Yeah. As a concept, yes. <laughs> um, good. The whole area was part of the Mughal Empire. That's not super relevant, but I'm just sort of letting you know this I is almost. not India as such. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We know Shah Hussein was born into a Muslim family, which possibly converted from Hinduism a generation or two earlier. This wasn't uncommon in the area. I don't know a lot more detail about that, just that they were like a fairly recently converted family. So I don't know how names work. Is, like, Shah a given name and Hussein a family name? Or Hussein, Hussein... Is a given name? Or what's happening? I think Hussein is a family name. Um, Shah is a given name. He doesn't only go by Shah throughout okay. his life. Um, he has a number of other names. So what, as the person hosting this episode, what would you advise we call him? Shah? I've been calling him Hussein just because that's consistent. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so other names change, but Hussein is always yeah, definitely used. Yeah, used. He's, He's always called Hussein, and so oh, yeah. I've just chosen to call him Hussein for the sake of consistency. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. His father worked as a weaver, which comes up in Hussein's poetry a lot later on as kind of a metaphor. A sex metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> Are you just assuming that because you know we're going to have poetic descriptions of sex? Yes. The poetic I... description of sex actually comes from Hakikat al Fukara, oh, okay. which is the poem about him, not the poem by him. Okay. okay. I feel like weaving
1: could be a sex metaphor if you wanted it to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. More, I think he's using it as, like, a metaphor for sort of domesticity mm-hmm. art, yeah. and, like, conventional life in general. Mm-hmm. So,
1: like, the Romans?
0: Yeah, that I guess so. I guess so.
1: Relevant,
0: <laughs> um, from the age of 10, Hussein pursued religious studies. This included, like, memorizing and interpreting the Quran, learning Arabic. His native language was Punjabi, as oh, far yeah. as I know. So was that just, like, the norm for a 10-year-old boy at the time? Was that, like, a choice he made? I don't think it was a choice he made. I think it was, like, an opportunity that came up. Oh, yeah. Like, a spiritual teacher was in the area. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't, like, what every 10-year-old boy did, but it was not... It wasn't, like, weird. I know. At some point in his boyhood, we have this story where he meets a, like, famous spiritual guide named Kidr, who is said to have, like poured water into his own cupped hands and, like, offered his hands to Hussein to drink from. And drinking from the cupped hands of this, like, great spiritual leader gave him a spiritual blessing which allowed him to finish memorising the Quran, like, with minimal effort.
1: I would love some of this juice. It sounds <laughs> so good. <laughs> I would, would like to you memorise with the juice? Everything.
0: <laughs> you just everything. Did he get one book or did you just get everything? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It just says that, like, he was blessed by this spiritual leader and it set him on the path to sainthood and he finished memorizing the Quran with ease. That sounds like a metaphor. Glad for him. Yeah. It does sound like a metaphor. And there is more to come about the ease. No, there's more more to come about, like, sharing of drinks as initiation into, like, spiritual knowledge. Oh, okay. okay. Um, cool.
1: Just to backtrack slightly, is the Quran one book? Yes. Is that how the
0: Quran works? Yes, there oh, right. are other Islamic texts, okay. but the Quran is... I guess the idea of with the volume. Quran is that Muhammad did it. It was just like, here, I've written it down, here it is. But the idea with the Torah is that
1: Moses wrote it down and was like, here it is, and it's five books.
0: Now no, okay, true. I see what you mean, like yeah. as in within the Quran. There are divisions within I mean, the there Quran. There are
1: divisions within the Quran, but I just wasn't sure if it, were, like, if it would, like, sound natural to say, like, a Muslim thing for us to say the Quran is one book or not.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm. You if ask a good know, question. Like, yeah, know, I don't <laughs> know. We say the Bible is one book, and it's very much divided into several. <laughs> yeah, like you can say the Bible is one book, or the Bible is I don't know how many books yeah, are in the but Bible. But we don't say the Bible is one book. No, okay. you don't. Um, but we do. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've <laughs> learned like, the book as a social construct. Let's <laughs> yeah. move along. Yeah, right. it's not quite true about the Torah that like Moses just wrote it down because there's the little bit after Moses died.
0: Yeah, how did that happen? Who wrote uh, that? his part? successor wrote it down. Oh, okay, who's his successor? Joshua. Good religious knowledge team. Yeah.
1: But I think that like the rabbis in the Talmud just had to like make that up to explain away where I was. Like, hey, you know how Moses wrote down the of Tal- uh, the Torah, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what about the bit when he's dead? And that's like. Oh, oh, okay, okay,
0: we've got this, it's okay.
1: I think there's another explanation that's, like, he wrote it down, but he wasn't, like, able to understand what he was writing, which is so dark. That's all. That that was was dumb.
0: so dark, he just, like, prophesied his death. I think mean, yeah. that's horrific, frankly. Yes, yeah, yeah. So how many questions about Islam are we going to ask on this podcast, and you're going to be like, eh? Probably a bunch, cool. to be honest. <laughs> um, get that on the table now. I didn't have a heap of knowledge of Islam before I started, beyond, like, general knowledge. It's and I'm not going to pretend that I've learned an entire religion in the space of a couple of weeks and reasonable (laughs) yeah as a teen or a young adult i'm not sure exactly when the like age is a bit hazy he became a disciple of a sufi teacher i am going to tell you a little (laughs) bit about sufism that's good because i was like what's a sufi it's usually described as like islamic mysticism which isn't super clear um so is it separate from Islam? So there's still, like, a Sufi is still Islamic and they're sort of basing their spirituality on Islamic texts and so forth, but they tend to be...
1: Mystical about it.
0: Yeah, no, they tend to be, like, separate from, like, organised religion. It's very kind of, like, a sort of personal quest for, like, a relationship with God. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, while they're, like, working from, you know, Islamic spirituality and Islamic texts... There is a lot of variation in how different Sufi movements approach that and, like, different individual people approach, like, finding that their, like, personal connection to God. Okay. Okay. In terms of at the time, so we're talking about, like, the 16th century, in the area there are a number of, like, sort of wandering Sufi spiritual leaders, Mm -hmm. um, like, travelling around the area and they, like, collect disciples as they go people who want to follow like follow their particular movement they tend to like trace a direct lineage from the prophet muhammad to themselves like a line of teachers oh yeah
1: that seems plausible enough frankly
0: yeah yeah the particular sufi lineage that Hussein joined into was called qadiri um qadiri was characterized by like asceticism like non-materialistic mhm Sort of life and adherence to what they saw as like the fundamental tenets of Islam. Yeah. So it tended to be like quite frugal, quite like literal to the text, um, quite like conservative. So for many years following this, Hussein lived as a wandering, like a wandering student and teacher of spirituality. He studied scripture, he begged alms to support himself, and he slept at night in the like shrine of lahore's patron saint okay so there are saints in islam yeah okay i know nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's going to become one he is going to become one as far as i know there's not like a set list of islam saints the way you can say for catholicism because there's no like pope ticking these off so it's not like with catholicism where there's like a process and like several boxes you have to tick yeah and there's and not the pope like approves you bureaucracy in the same way <laughs> Um, that's what word I was trying to think of. Yeah, bureaucracy. Yeah, as far as I know. But he is one holy guy. He is one holy guy, and like there are miracles ascribed to him and oh, that okay. kind of thing. That's and, the kind of person we haven't really talked about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think we have talked about a saint before. No, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, hmm. there are bound to be a bunch more queer saints. Well, I've got a, oh, yeah, a, yeah. a few that I would like to do after they're done. Yeah,
1: I dread the. Catholic heavy episode that that will eventually be because it'll just be you two like, oh yes, this and me being like, What
0: (laughs) I like you're a valuable contributor there, because there will also be listeners who will be like, What? Okay, and we'll just have not bothered to explain things. And you know their standards. So Sufi teachings were at the time often spread through song or poetry. Mm. And so Hussein kind of at least according to Hakikata al-Fukara, credits This era of his life with teaching him the, like, poetic structure and, like, appreciation for poetry that he, you know, went on with in his own, like, spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. At the age of 36, after living this frugal, ascetic, self-deprivation life for an anonymous number of years, (laughs) somewhere between, like, 20 and 15 and, like, I don't know, he had a revelation on hearing the verse from the Quran, the life of the world is nothing but play and a pleasurable distraction. Obviously,
1: oh, it's gonna take a full
0: 180. He is absolutely gonna take a full 180. He was oh, like yeah. play and pleasurable distraction, you say. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. <laughs> so, he, on hearing that statement, he was overwhelmed with the truth of the statement and felt that he had found the like the secret of God, according to Lord Ramakrishna. She says that, and she's recounting from a source in Punjabi, which Mm -hmm. I did not have access to. According to Ramakrishna, she recounts that, satisfied that he no longer needed it, he threw his Quran into a well. Oh, okay. Which (laughs) is a (laughs) big deal in Islam, which is a huge deal. Yeah, Yeah, because, like, the book is a holy object. Um, Because of that, his companions were enraged and were like, what are you doing? And so in order to soothe them, Hussein ordered the book to come back to him, came back out of the well completely dry and undamaged, and okay. hereafter, says Ramakrishna, Hussein, discarding all rules and regulations, began to dance, sing, and drink. Yeah. Drink like alcohol? Yeah. That's not allowed, is it? There is some debate about that, but, like, generally no. Okay. There is a little bit, I think, of wriggle room, depending on schools of thought you're sure. following, where some people are like, you can drink, the prohibition is on, like, Getting drunk, okay. like oh, drinking yeah. to excess. Can you imagine? You're just like a wandering Sufi with your band of wandering Sufi mates who have been living this like very frugal life, and then one day one of them just flings his Quran in the well and starts like sculling. <laughs> <his videos. laughs> just like flings his Quran in the well is like, let's go to the pub, boys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he like sings that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically, um, <laughs> why
1: yeah. why did he not need the Quran anymore though?
0: He I think like as far as this story goes he understood that he'd found the secret of God now he knew how to connect oh, with God like, and he's like I don't need that anymore. He's
1: completed the Quran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: yeah um, and the secret of God is just have a good time. Yeah, well, according to <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs> What is the secret of God? There's like have queer respect <laughs> <Tell us. laughs> queer respect theology. Um according to Kugel, who I mentioned in my sources at the start. Kugel says of the, like, the total 180 that Hussein just went through um, that he realised that the only way to live truly was to throw off the limitations of like law and asceticism and live as a child at play, abandoning all pretense, hypocrisy and ambition, as well as fear of social blame.
1: Hmm. I see how this might lead to doing socially unacceptable activities. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Hakikat al Fukara has Hussain saying about his total 180, "'Isn't it better to dance through the marketplace "'than to study knowledge without putting it into practice? "'This verse,' which that verse that we referred to earlier, "'this verse has opened wide the eyes of my understanding, "'that I make myself into the living interpretation of its words. "'The life of this world is such a burden. "'Escape it by abandoning yourself to play.'" Good advice for us right now in these trying times.
1: Yeah, that does hit a little different when you're in quarantine, doesn't it? Mm. Um, mm.
0: Mm. So, yeah, abandon yourself to play, guys. We can't okay. go to the, buy the marketplace, crossing, I guess. though. Yeah, there's no it's dancing illegal. in the marketplace. I guess you can go and dance in coals. To I, be fair... Um, that's not
1: essential and you should get out.
0: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you can dance as you shop. <laughs> or only if you're buying essentials and yeah. you dance in coals. So, Kugel goes on to point out that he's abandoning himself to play was not exactly following entirely random whims, okay. which I thought was worth mentioning, in that he specifically is choosing to participate in acts that go against the like social norms around him.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Like getting drunk on wine mm-hmm. is what he's doing. Um, and singing and dancing as well. There's an ongoing question in Islamic scholarship about the permissibility of various musical instruments of music at all. Um, just like in any setting? Or... Yeah, it like it depends again on, um, okay, on sure. the like, school there... that you're... Yeah, so some assert that music is just not permitted. Others that like singing is acceptable but musical instruments are not. He does play the musical instruments in the street. Guitar. Please tell me what they are. I don't have oh, it written down and I'm very sorry. That's okay. Um,
1: I was trying to picture this accurately.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. Imagine him, like, I don't know, playing the tambourine. I'm picturing electric guitar. Um, Until you correct me, I'm picturing electric I guitar. I will picture a saxophone. Good. So he, I wonder if he's, like, good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, he starts gathering disciples after this and they have, like, dance parties in the street. Yeah. That sounds um, nice. Yeah. It's also worth bringing up here in the context of Kugel noting that he's, like, deliberately going against social norms rather than just, you know, idly following whims that there was a pre-existing Sufi tradition of the Malamati. Mm -hmm. Um, The Malamatis were a group of 9th century mystics who saw becoming, like, publicly admired was yet another way to, like, sort of garner attachment to the world and, like, attachment to yourself as an individual and this would separate you from God. And so they instead decided that you should do any, like, acts of piety or anything like that secretly and private. Oh, yeah. in public, you should essentially be a public nuisance, so nobody likes you, <laughs> <laughs> so that you don't develop attachment to the world. <laughs> okay. That's very funny because I know like that. There is I can't think of the exact quote in the Bible. It is the thing in the Bible where they're like, you should pray quietly in your heart. Yeah, you shouldn't like boast okay. about how pious you are. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then you're like, then in public, just like be a public nuisance. But yeah, like to be clear, they're not like you know doing violence or like doing. You know, they're doing those things, like being drunk in the street, being loud, being... It sounds like you know. they're just kind of being, like, lads.
1: You know yeah, what I mean? like, yeah. Like, they're drinking and they're playing musical instruments potentially badly because they've just started playing them, as I understand it, Yeah. and are, like, just kind of being loud in public. Like, that's just what a college student does. And yeah. I, I don't mean to, like, you know, I know there's stuff going on here, but that mm-hmm. is kind of the overall image. Yeah, like,
0: That's very, like, the image that yeah. we get of the life that Hussein. Chooses from here on uh-huh. is like very much he's just like a bro. A, a, yeah, having a straight <laughs> yeah. party every day. I like
1: thoughtfully um, Islamic
0: bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Alright, oh. right, cool. This is also the first indication that we get of Hussein as a potentially queer figure. Mm-hmm. I kind of just forgot that we were waiting for this to get gay. Oh yeah, This
1: it's is, a queer, is a queer history podcast. It is a queer history podcast. I know, sometimes
0: I was like, oh yeah, this, this is an interesting story. I'm <laughs> yeah. really interested in like, learning about this. I'm like, oh yeah, that's why we're here. That's right. Yeah. Regarding the ways that Hussein is, you know, making a public nuisance of himself and flouting social norms, Hakikat Al-Fukara says, he wears red clothes, drinks wine mm-hmm. openly. openly, sings and Plays music and is surrounded by smooth-faced young men as beautiful as the moon. So there you go. Big a to Crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm interested that wears red was in there. Um, the red clothes are usually like something that like a spiritual teacher will wear. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, so it's like he says he's a spiritual teacher, yet he does all these things. Is yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. He starts getting known as Lul Hussein and Lul. There are, like, lol is a little bit, there are a few other reasons that this might come up, but mm-hmm. one of them is that lol means red, mm-hmm. and he's going around in these red clothes. Just out of curiosity, what sort of clothes do they wear in this place and time? Um, I can't really give you a decent answer to okay. that question, beyond that, like, I have seen pictures of people from this place and time, but I wouldn't give you, like... A detailed description of their clothing? Yeah.
1: Jeans. No. <laughs> Jeans. <laughs> Jorts.
0: <laughs> red jorts. Red jorts. <laughs> he wears red jorts, dances in the
1: marketplace. Plays the sax and has lots of hot young men around him. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah <so laughs> this like, is a saint.
1: We <laughs> <laughs> should probably stop this. <laughs> that's
0: true. That's true. This is a very holy man. Yes.
1: <laughs> a holy man who is absolutely up for a giggle, though, clearly. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah.
0: I think he, he would, I hope, I mean, appreciate this. If, like, scholars were right about the Malamati connection, then... He very much wants this to make people, like, think lightly of him. That's true, that's true. That's his goal, if that's correct. <laughs> that's right. um, yeah. So let's talk about
1: this gay stuff, I suppose. Yeah,
0: let's go on. I'm going to tell you, like, another short gay reference before we get into the, like, chewy gay stuff. <laughs> okay. Um.
1: <laughs> Having, like, a little, like... Or Durf,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, because he has like he has one like long intimate relationship with a man, so okay. that's like the main. Yeah, and this is like the little gay entree. Okay. Is that gay dessert? So there's another instance in the like long biographical poem that refers to Hussein's homosexuality. On one occasion, he's arrested by the like city police chief after the police chief notices Hussein exchanging flirtatious glances with the policeman's son. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. He's just, like, you know, in the street, checking out this man, and then he's, like... The man's dad is there, and he's like, hang on, is that Shah Hussein? (laughs) And so... According to Hakikat al-Fukara, the police try to, like, chain him to arrest him, but the chains fall away from, like, his limbs, no matter how well-secured they are because of spiritual magic. Um... (laughs) and the police chief while trying to arrest him says to him as a rebuke and punishment yours will be a disgraceful death driven through with a spike a spike that will go into you from behind so that your soul will leave you from behind i read this out to you because then i thought it too when i was reading it kugel described this as threat as like a gruesome pantomime of anal rape ah oh, that's what i was thinking when you said accurate, that too. and also had a little footnote just briefly mentioning the execution of Edward the yeah. well, Second, the supposed execution. Yeah, yeah if you so... want to
1: hear about another gruesome pantomime of anal rape, you can check out our episode on Edward the Second. You yeah. can, yeah. It has lots of things in it that are not that horrific. Part
0: it has a gay pirate boyfriend. It does. It does. <laughs> his name we won't mention. <laughs> I was about to say it and I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I brought that up basically because I think it confirms that like homosexuality is part of his social rebellion. yeah. Like, it's something that he's doing that people are aware of. So that point where he said, I'll stab you from behind so your soul will leave your body from behind, do you know anything about that? If there's any beliefs about that, about I don't, what happens? I don't there? know. I don't know whether that just seems ignominious or whether, um, like, there are beliefs about where your soul should come out when you die. Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking, because obviously there is the, like, anal rape interpretation of that. Yeah. But then it may also be if there is some kind of belief about... How and where your soul's supposed to leave your body? Maybe the threat is about that. As yes, that about... I'll like ruin your chance at yeah. the afterlife. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think it can be both of those things. In yeah. That it's like a you know horrible ignominious death and a reference to anal sex. Yeah. So um, I'm sure
1: you'll talk about this, but clearly homosexuality wasn't like fine at the time.
0: Yeah. Again, it's kind of hard to say because there are a lot of relationships between men which are acceptable like this sort of beloved disciple spiritual master oh, right. relationship seems to be fine how explicitly homoerotic is that quite okay <laughs> <laughs> or like yeah there seems to be you know there are spiritual ways of justifying this okay that make it acceptable but i guess flirting with the police chief's son in the street is beyond um, the or pale. is it like once
1: the suggestion is concretely sexual Is it a bit Um, different
0: or? It's kind of hard to say because there's definitely like, and I will get into this a little more later. There's definitely, like I said, a poetic description of sex between Hussein and Madhu, who is his partner. And it's justified in the poem and by later scholars as a like, spiritual, a sort of like a sharing of spiritual knowledge almost. Okay, um, I like that. You know how I told you that story about the like the wandering water. spiritual teacher like cupping his hands and giving his same mm. water when he was a child? It sort of like has echoes of that in it. Oh, it's okay. this like sharing of sharing of drinks, sharing of bodily fluid almost. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. So maybe could it be that the problem with the policeman's son is that that's not in a spiritual context. It's just like I'm just checking out this guy on the street like – There's not a teacher student. Yeah, and I think that's the thing where there's like acceptable love between men but so picking guess... someone up on the street is not it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: so obviously, like, there's acceptable... I, mean, yeah. I, I don't know anything about this time, but presumably mm. in, like, every other society ever, yeah. there's acceptable forms of heterosexuality, and then there's mm. unacceptable mm. forms of heterosexuality, where, like, if he'd been hitting on the policeman's daughter in the street... That may well quite have been, yeah. naturally imagine the story concluding the same way. Yeah. So is there... what? What's the difference in how these things are treated by... Like, are there ways in which homosexuality is more stigmatized than heterosexuality or are we just like projecting that we assume everyone mm. has always been homophobic
0: but like there are absolutely ways that heterosexuality is prioritized in that way where like a lot of society is built around that sort of marriage and family concept mm-hmm. a spiritual teacher is kind of exempt from okay sure That okay. already like he's not expected to marry uh, I his- yeah. You know, he's okay to just, like, live. Play the sax in his shorts. Yeah, play, <laughs> play the sax in his jorts. Um, Yeah, but he's, like, okay just to live with a group of men who are his disciples. Okay, okay yeah. And he doesn't have to participate in that kind of, like, heteronormative mm. marriage situation mm. as to a spiritual some, teacher. To project mm. some more Catholicism onto this. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when women become nuns. They can be yeah. in an all-female environment and not have to have the pressure to marry. Yeah, I like guess. equivalent, maybe? I guess it's, like, less formalised mm-hmm. because the whole sort of, like, Sufi situation is very individual. Aye. I mean, everything about Catholicism, like... Is bureaucratic. Is, yeah. <laughs> wildly <laughs> overorganized. <laughs> <It is. laughs> with regard to, like, how it would be perceived differently if he was flirting with the police chief's daughter, that's, I think, another reason why the police chiefs like gruesome anal rape execution response is relevant like he's oh. clearly chosen a response that yeah highlights that yeah kind of highlights the perceived crime
1: mm, mm.
0: i can't really tell you to be honest how this man would have reacted if hussein had flirted with his daughter like it would i'm sure it would have been undesirable but i don't imagine it would have led directly to threats of execution i'm going to take a moment now just to talk a little bit about hussein's poetry i don't have a lot of that in this episode overall because as i said i could only access (laughs) the google books preview of this book it was impossible to get alas but i am going to talk a little bit about it because there is some interesting stuff in there that I don't really know what to make of. <laughs> Ooh, okay, fine. I hope um, we'll tell you. I am just think I'm going to bring it up, because it's worth bringing up anything
1: potentially queer. Okay, sure. Yeah. All um, right, so this is maybe gay, but maybe not.
0: It's more a gender thing. Oh, interesting, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Oh. So, a lot of scholars said that there was no explicit homosexuality as such. And when I say explicit here, I mean, like, mentioned rather than, you know, erotic. I don't mean explicit, like, explicit sex. Oh, I see what you mean. As such, that there was no explicit homosexuality in Hussein's poetry because he generally writes love poetry from the point of view of a woman. Interesting.
1: That's, like, the thing that people always try to say gay poets are doing.
0: Yeah, and that's what I thought. And when I went and looked into his poetry, as far as I could see, he does write from a woman's point of view a lot. Hmm. And he does, like, refer to, like, heterosexual Punjabi folk stories a lot, where he casts his narrator in the feminine role. But he also writes poetry where he doesn't gender himself at all Mm -hmm. and still refers to his lover as As masculine. Does he write
1: poetry where the narrator is specifically a man?
0: I don't think he ever explicitly genders himself in the poetry. He does refer to himself by name in poetry. Mm -hmm. Um, He often, like, signs off the last couplet of his poem as like so says Shah Hussain no, no, oh, yeah. so, like that. so he often it is explicitly from his own point of view which isn't the same thing no yeah. no it is not the same thing there were some interesting things going on with say a disciple of a like spiritual master dressing in women's clothing or something Mm -hmm. like that, in order to show, like, deference to their master, or in order to... um, Like, you're the woman, I'm the man, that's the power imbalance that's happening. Yeah, I think so, I think so, in order to show, like, submission, or, like... Oh, okay. Yeah, whether it's... a whole thing to unpack. Which was, like, a whole thing to unpack. I'm going to talk a little bit about the kind of poetry that he writes. The form of poetry that he used is called a kafi. The kafi at this time was, like, a popular sort of folk form of Punjabi poetry. And so, generally speaking, the, like, point of view character speaking in a kafi is either a disciple speaking to a master or to God, Mm -hmm. or it's a lover speaking to a beloved. The, like, themes in there are, like, the desire for union with or understanding of or, like, yearning for something which you're, like, striving striving towards or, like, somebody that you are in love with.
1: Mm -hmm. Can Um, I just
0: clarify, do you
1: use the terms lover and beloved to indicate a particular hierarchy of relationship there?
0: No, in this case, I'm just using it to like... Okay, a lover and another... A lover and the person that they love. Okay, sure. Yeah, like the the response of the beloved is not relevant here, which is why I sort of chose that. It's not necessarily... A pair of lovers, yeah. It's not necessarily reciprocal. It's a lover and the person that they love. And sometimes it can be ambiguous what's being written about, whether we're talking about someone yearning for a human love or whether we're talking about someone yearning for connection with god this is like when you accidentally tune into christian rock on the radio yeah you know? i was yeah. gonna say this is like when you're someone trying to
1: pretend that the song of songs is actually absolutely not about sex at all but it's all about god like <laughs> there are
0: absolutely both coffee about god and coffee about lovers and coffee where it's unclear okay 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 I thought I would bring this up in terms of why Hussein might take that feminine role as, like, being in the position of the disciple, like, yearning for God, which was also sort of something that came up. So how clearly... Are these ones to God and how
1: ambiguous are they?
0: The ones in which Hussein is a lady, the way that I've read them, they very much look like they're speaking about human connections. There's an extensive Sufi tradition which connects like human love and divine love in such a way that I don't feel confident that I can say – I know this is about a human lover and is not about a human lover as a metaphor for your yearning for connection with God. Okay. okay. But from where I'm looking, it absolutely looks like, like a human love human, story. Human
1: love story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love yeah.
0: Love story. <laughs> it feels very strange to sort of say a human divine love story speaking about, you know, one human's relationship with their monotheistic God. But it is like a metaphor which often gets... Used. I can give you an example though. I can read you one. I was about to ask oh, yeah. the one. Yes. I'll read you the poem first and then we'll discuss. I wander the forests looking for him, but my Ranja is always with me. My heart demands my princely Ranja. The cows come home, but not the cowherd, so here is in tears in Jang. I wander night and day in the wilderness, enduring the sharp acacia thorns. Says the poor fakir Hussein, how can I ever meet Ranja? To give you the context for that, here and Ranja are two characters in a like romantic Punjab love sto- like, folk uh. story. Basically, here is a woman who falls in love with a poor man that her family doesn't approve of. So her family sends her away to marry a more suitable man. Mm-hmm. The two spend several years looking for each other, and then they're briefly able to be together before it's cut short by a tragic poisoning plotline involving his jealous husband. Um, I see. That's like the very short version of that story. So what's happening here is that the speaker of this poem is here, and she's saying, like, I'm searching for Ranja. Mm -hmm. He's always with me, like, in my heart, but... Where is he physically in the world Where is he? How can I ever find him? Yeah. And then the final couplet is like, says the poor Fakir Hussain, how can I ever meet Ranja? Oh, yeah, okay. see, yeah. I wouldn't interpret that, and obviously, you know, he's got a lot of poems and i only heard mm-hmm. this one, I wouldn't interpret that as saying, like, he's writing as a woman so much as he's just drawing a parallel between, like, his love and... For someone and this very famous traditional love in the same way that people like to compare like Romeo and Juliet or something like that it Mm. doesn't necessarily mean it's saying anything about his gender it's just like here's a famous love story that's also me and my love okay yeah no that's that's true I don't know if he would have had any famous male male love stories to draw on that's absolutely true another of those themes I mentioned how he uses like the weaver yeah the metaphor and his sort of recurring character there is this young woman weaver who's just reached marriageable age mm-hmm. and she's trying to choose between a love that her family doesn't approve of, oh, yeah. but she like someone that she loves and a, you know, suitable husband that her family will choose for her. Yeah. Um so it's very similar in theme a lot of mm-hmm. the time to this. Which makes sense for like
1: a man who feels love for men to be drawing on stories that while straight are about socially unacceptable yeah yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely yeah yeah
1: which i guess is kind of like every love story ever so isn't that (laughs) yeah
0: yeah that's definitely something worth bringing up yeah yeah
1: so is there speculation that this says something about hussein's personal gender identity I... i feel like you're kind of hinting at it and i want to know if the scholars have ever actually suggested this at all
0: I didn't see anyone, like, bring up anything sort of as obvious as I think Shah Hussein was trans. They did sort of take from here and go on to, like, sort of, like, communities of, or, like, available gender-fluid religious okay. roles. Interesting. Um, which Shah Hussein never inhabited, but that were available in the Mughal Empire at this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they did draw connections between this and sort of fluid... Like gender expression as a religious thing. Mm. Okay, and in drawing that connection, like, are they saying anything more than like, "Hey, Shah Hussain sometimes wrote about his love as though he was a woman"? Here's some ways that people were exploring gender at that time. Like, are there? Yeah, they're kind of saying like, "Here are some ways we could consider this. Here are some like social contexts he might have had for thinking about gender. Yeah, for why he's using this. That's good. I
1: think it's important to sort of lay out social context in such. Scholarship,
0: and i find it's often neglected yeah, yeah that's true like i did read a long and interesting article about the hindu god krishna oh yeah. um and there was like a community of i guess assigned male at birth people who presented feminine and were like devotees of Krishna why does every society have this yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) this is definitely a thing yeah it's just like a standard part of like every society it's like okay and where are you assigned male at birth feminine presenting priestesses You' have no um, taxes,
1: you've built bridges. Now where are they? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Show them to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I started bringing this up because I was like people are just forcing heterosexuality on these poems where Shah Hussein may not necessarily be putting them. And then I was like, wait, no, they're actually thinking that he's telling us something about, spiritual yeah. about gender and yeah. casting himself in this feminine, like this feminine position as an expression of a spiritual quest maybe. Hmm. um which is also interesting what spiritual quest like as an expression of like spiritual desire for god yeah yeah, yeah okay. okay so just that's spiritual yeah. quest that we already knew yes. about. i wasn't sure if there was a new spiritual quest no. is that know. spiritual quest not like the only spiritual quest <laughs> 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 just clarifying okay. tell yeah. us on the regular spiritual quest yeah the regular spiritual quest um okay i'm afraid yeah this is the area where i was like i don't know there's a lot of interconnecting things here i think about like Folk stories, and gender, and religion, and Shah own identity. Yeah, and And I didn't want to not talk about it at all, but I also didn't want to spend the next three years of my life writing a PhD (laughs) on, like, Sufi gender identities. That's okay, that's that's um, for the future. Unfortunately, it is for the future. I would love to learn more about it and talk more about it.
1: We Mm. obviously really have to talk at some point about, like, trans-feminine people in this region.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Like, so much. Um, I feel like we brought up like a season's worth of that. Would be a good episode. We should really do just in this episode. Alone. That's absolutely how I yeah. felt about this episode. I started it and I was like, "Good, there's plenty of content. I'll be able to do an episode." And then three weeks later, I was like, "There is too much content. It's like a monkey's. Paw. Please help me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely how that went. So, like, I'm sorry. About all the things I bring up that I'm like, this is very superficial and I don't know yet. Oh, no, that's okay. That's how it be, especially yeah. when you research a new culture that you don't know anything yeah. about. Yeah, I hope to know more. We're going to talk about the next major turning point in Shah Hussein's life. Is it when he meets his boyfriend? It is. I was very waiting much for the boyfriend. Is. The boyfriend is here.
1: Does he like the jorts. I
0: guess he loves the jorts and the saxophone. I'll give you a quick rundown of who the boyfriend is. His name is Madhu. You'll often see him referred to as Madhu Lal. He's red as well. (laughs) They were meant to be together. There are like several things going on here. Kugel and Ramakrishna both thought that Madhu Lal was an error, like a confusion because Shah Hussain had become Lal Hussain and then took Madhu's name. So he was known as Madhu Lal Hussain. Oh. And people, they, like, suggested that people had just made this assumption that Madhu Lal was one name. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so you'll see him referred to as Madhu Lal, so because it's he... not clear whether this is actually, like, Madhu's surname or not. So it's because Shah Hussein changed from Shah Hussein to Madhu Lal Hussain that they assumed that he took Madhu and Lal at the same time. Yeah. When, in fact, Lal was just a separate thing about what he wore yeah potentially and there all are also a couple of times in his poems where he'll refer to someone as lull but it has a synonym which means like dear or darling oh, so oh, are okay. we talking about madu are we just writing love poetry like this is just like when we talk about ruth ellis and her girlfriend's just called babe <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um so i've chosen here just to call him Madhu. Okay. but so why you,
1: does Shah Hussain become take Madhu as a name like at all
0: though uh they just they just become intimate okay and it's just like it's just taking Esthasa's like name yeah okay. I, it's not like I, it's not like a formalised okay. thing I was never clear whether Hussain had chosen this himself or whether it was just some like a way that people referred to him to distinguish him from all the other Hussein's oh, yeah, like I like Madhu's Hussein and like <laughs> yeah exactly the red Hussain with the boyfriend <laughs> very good. And yeah, that, like, book of poetry that I mentioned that I couldn't get hold of is published under the name Madhu Lal Hussain and then translated by the translator whose name I've forgotten. The translator's note in the introduction says that they've chosen to publish it under Madhu Lal to honour the relationship.
1: That's nice. Yeah.
0: And, like, honour the choice that he... They sort of assumed that it was Hussain's choice. They were, like, to honour the, like, choice he made to make Madhu part of his...
1: Okay, I don't name Yeah,
0: I guess he didn't like stop people. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. didn't stop people. <laughs> They're buried side by side. Like oh, nice. So Maju was a young Hindu man from a Brahmin family I'm not sure how much you guys know about the caste system so in India that's like in a India. high up caste that's right up there yeah this family is like high tier society and very well respected which means that any interaction that he has with Hussain like a friendship with Hussain is already weird oh okay so he like Hussain is someone that he shouldn't be interacting with because Hussain is too like low down socially Yeah, kind of, Hussein would just be a weird person for, like, a wealthy, well-respected young Hindu man to have a drunk Muslim wanderer (laughs) spiritualist friend. Like, it's not sort of a socially acceptable interaction. And of their first meeting... Hakikat Al-Fukara says. Well, first it has like a long verse where it describes how beautiful Madhu is. How beautiful is Madhu? Do you have that written down for us? I do have the verse, but I was like, I can't read you this entire poem because it's like a long verse about how attractive he is. I'll read you like some Maybe some key facts. Random couplets. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Madhu was wondrous in his beauty and his grace. A young man, refined, noble, Brahmin by descent. Tender and delicate from the liquor of this youth's wink. The worshipper of grace would fall down flat drunk. So he's hot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love the liquor of his wink. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's he'll, a bit he'll, he'll like wink at you and you'll pass out basically. <laughs> I'm just like, You're just like done. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Anyway, of their meeting, I'm going to read you this section. Madhu went out one day to steal hearts for sport. <laughs> so he's, okay.
1: Wow, riding okay.
0: yes riding through the streets with alluring arrogance and captivating pride this is really painting a picture yeah it. yeah like not only really
1: what it looks like but just how
0: just like does. how he
1: is <laughs> like if james potter was as hot as he thought he was <laughs> Maybe he'd <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, on that same street, Hussein was reeling, drunk with wine, surrounded by his loving companions. Not drunk on Medu's wink? Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> Not yet. yet. In that state of ecstasy, he saw Medu's glowing face, and his heart wailed out with a cry of delicious pain. <laughs> my friends, he cried, look over there, that young man has just stolen away my heart. So he's literally just, like,
1: <laughs> drunk on the curb, and Medu rides past, and he just, like... Screams! I was <laughs>
0: yeah. like, guys, 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 look at that hot man! Yeah.
1: I drank his wink, and now I need to get my stomach pumped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. <laughs> that. Noise, keep
0: going. Um, Is more? I need to know more right now. <laughs> There's like so much more of this. I was like, I'm not gonna read no, it. No, right. no, no, no read it all. All right, I should have just read the entire verse Keep going. That young man has just stolen away my heart. He lifted everything I had from me with a glance. He snatched my heart from my soul, swiped my soul from my body. I'm dazzled with passion for this youth. My friends, what should I do? I'm helpless in his grasp. I'm a captive to the sorrow of being separated from him. I can't bear the burning fever of not seeing him for an instant. I it's a full Marius Ponessie. It's <laughs> very easy to believe this man was smashed when he took this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, Has we, he let like, left by this point? Oh, he like, yeah, like, he literally oh, just oh, rode yeah. past, and Hussain's just like, oh no, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> when his companions heard him reveal this secret, they replied by revealing... Oh, <laughs> secret. That was secret so for no time. <laughs> no time. <laughs> they replied by revealing another secret. Ooh. Oh God, our friend Hussein doesn't even know who this boy is who is playing with his heart. I know, insisted Hussein, that my heart's curse is a young infidel who will raise the house of my faith to the ground. With the graceful curls of his hair, this bare-chested idol has tied wait, up wait, my wait, heart. Wait, 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 back up. Bare-chested? <laughs> that's what it says so he's just like shirtless riding around being like "I'm." he's just, gonna- just like on his horse no shirt being like Tears, i'm gonna uh, go and like wink intoxicating <laughs> horse ridden yeah <laughs> so anyway that happens and then hussein is like well i have to see him again and so he like goes around to his house and like wants to talk to him and it was like having nothing to do with it He's like, I don't know who this guy is. This drunk guy yeah. has wandered in off the street and is obsessed with me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. yeah,
1: Get out of my house. This probably happens to Madhu 12 times a day.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> we were told that he went out to steal hearts. Oh, I'm yeah, not sure, okay. He's
1: just like in his room counting hearts and it's like, ooh, another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's looking out the window, ooh, a Sufi. I haven't had one of those before.
0: So, how do they get married?
1: <laughs> yeah, how do they get married? That's more. Okay,
0: so eventually they actually meet at the Hindu festival of Holly. Oh, this um, would be
1: such a good movie. They're at a festival. They're at a festival. Yeah. You know
0: that I don't know what you know about Holly. It's that one where you like throw coloured powder on oh, everyone. Yeah. Wow. This is perfect. Yeah this movie would be great. Yeah. I assume Madhu is again not wearing a shirt. Presumably not. I don't
1: know if we owns a shirt. <laughs> yeah Just I goes. don't think Madhu wears a shirt <laughs> <laughs>
0: ever. So according to Hakikat Alpha, Madhu looked on Hussein with kindness and courtesy for the first time Arguably. at Holly. That's and not quite the same emotion. No. <laughs> and in spite of cheerfully flirting with everyone else at the street party, he comes up to Hussein like quite shyly oh. and throws coloured powder over him. Oh <laughs> This is and kind then, of like a yes, Disney yes. film. Explain the <laughs> way he was absolutely trash. No, people are drunk in Disney. So <laughs> yeah. I'm about. This yeah. is a Disney. Film. And then the two of them dance together in the street because it's holy. And that's what you do. Yeah, that's that story. The Hakikat al Alphakara implies that, like, because it's a festival, everyone is at play and drinking wine. Okay. It's a Hindu oh, festival. Okay, yeah. So they're like, finally, they're like in parallel, and now they can. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, I'm smashed now too. (laughs) Yeah, they're like in parallel and now they can like meet on a level rather than Hussein just being like, come down, come down, come and talk to me, Madhu. I'm (laughs) smitten, come down. (laughs) So they develop this friendship, which Madhu's parents don't really approve of. They don't ever... As far as I know, seem to have been able to like stop them spending time together. But this is also partly because I'm reading a source in which Hussain is capable of miracles. Sure,
1: okay.
0: that's true. Like when he was arrested, it was just like, oh no, the chains won't stay on. Yeah, like... what a slippery, slippery. Yeah, man. like he's <laughs> yeah. literally like, you know, do you want to come on a trip with me? And Madhu was like, no, I have to go to this thing with my parents. And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll get you there in time. And they go on their trip, and he just like teleports him there and then back again. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah while it doesn't ever come up as a like actual problem the sources just suggest that hussein is beyond this stuff <laughs> okay
1: i guess that's kind of like you know in the like rom-com we're picturing here to like that kind of conflict isn't interesting let's just like skip over it and from a writing standpoint i approve of that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah 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 so i want to ask you another religious question that you won't really know the answer yeah to. So, I understand that Hussein is a holy man, and is that why he can do this kind of... Are these... Is that why he can do magic? Yeah, like, is is it implied that God is, like, performing these miracles through him? And it's- yeah, yeah, okay. he's a saint. Yeah, Yeah. So God is like, yeah, of course you can go on holiday with your boyfriend. I've got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, my question was really, like, are we implying that this has, like, God's approval? And I guess like- so, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, awesome. similarly then, when he gets arrested for flirting with the cop's son. Yeah. And God's just like, you're not getting arrested for this bra, I got you. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that was another case Um. of God approving of him doing things
0: yeah. yeah yeah so yeah from there on they become friends and madu becomes sort of becomes a disciple of hussein mm-hmm. a lot of scholars say that madu converted to islam it seems like he probably actually didn't and this is something that like later writers say to make them more acceptable oh, because okay. the done thing was generally if you converted to islam you would take an islamic name and, he never took and he's one never one done one. this as far as we know mm. oh, okay um, he they could have just swapped names yeah, they could have. <laughs> he does, like, sort of take Hussein on as, like, a spiritual teacher still. Okay. Um, and then one day Hussein said to Madhu, and this is another quote from the poem, which yes, I think you will yes. enjoy. <laughs> My head reels with desire to take you to Babapur, which was, like, uh, like out of town. Oh, um, yeah. They were going to go on a trip. We will travel together, just you and me. We will drink in intimacy the wine of our heart's desire. What I truly long for is the pure delight of sitting alone with you and sipping your wine. We could be alone together there for an ample time and drink, laying in each other's embrace. That's right. Yeah, so That's he's good. like, let's go on like... Let's um, go on a holiday and just get drunk together. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and lay in each other's embrace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Madhu is like, I can't, I can't do that. That will ruin my reputation. I um, know. And Hussein is like, I'm a holy man. I'm a spiritual teacher. How would anyone say anything bad about me? Like, well, <laughs> um, you see you're saying... <laughs> <laughs> and Maju was like, alright, that sounds convincing, let's go. dude's like, I kind of have to put off a very small protest, but like, sure, <laughs> Yeah. And so, they go on a holiday together. Do you think this all really happened? Like, look... <laughs> I, you're asking that now. I was so caught up in the story, yeah, I about the historicity of it. <laughs> oh, okay, we, okay, yeah, we.
1: Um, but surely all of this is fairly dubious.
0: Yeah, look, Madhu is real. Hussein is real. Their relationship is real. The biographical sources we use are like this because he's yeah, yeah, yeah. a saint but I chose to read them to you anyway because I really enjoyed reading yeah, them. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's fair. Um, I just but, think we should, you know, occasionally keep in mind what, uh, what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Especially, like, around the relationship between Madhu and Hussein. Mm-hmm. Everything we've got is this florid. Okay. And so I was like, I'm just going to go with it. I'm feeling it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, really I'm feeling it. it. Like, keep going. If you were just like, I'm just going to read you this poem today, This would I would be having a great time. Oh, do you want... Uh, another chunk I was just about to read you some more yes (laughs) so yeah they go away on a trip to the seaside I never actually looked up where Babapur was which I should have (laughs) I was about to say is is it the seaside it's not the seaside it's probably not the seaside I don't know they've gone to like a small cabin in a town out of Lahore oh yeah that's a fanfic trope was there only one bed Probably. <laughs> um, anyway, and this is what happens in the cabin. As I said, there is a poetic description oh. of sex. Content oh, yeah. for it. In this duet of beseeching and tenderly replying, the two friends made love with each other. <laughs> That's a pretty, like... I mean, that's not like a flowery, poetic description of sex. There's okay. more. Both of them, in each act, are captivated by the other, loving the other with the kindest intimacy. One kisses the other with an ecstatic breath, moving from his wrist to his hand, his strong arm, his shoulder. Then he kisses his forehead and his cheek gently, kisses both his eyelids and then his brows. Then, with sweet affection, he kisses his lips... With love, he kisses the smooth skin beneath his chin. Yeah, so then that's what happens in the cabin. Okay, yeah.
1: Does that stop there, or did they just keep listing places that they kissed for, like, seven years, and you were like, okay, okay. okay." (laughs) You've got
0: the idea. After that, it goes to there, and then after that... um, It fades to black, and then they wake up. No, the writer of the poem starts justifying how this is a spiritual meeting and not an erotic meeting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to talk about that because the way it goes on is sort of quite just interesting in terms of how this was able to be, you know, an acceptable part of his story. And so it goes on and says, Madhu at this time didn't know that Hussein had a secret way to lead him to God. Madhu didn't understand that Hussein's <laughs> hey real intent was that these seductions were for his own salvation. I mean, maybe that's true, but that's not all they for. <laughs> that's not all they for. Yeah, absolutely. But that's very much how Al Fukara presents it. And that's often how scholars talk about it later on. They kind of will downplay the Sex. eroticism of it and put it in the context of like... A kiss from a disciple to a master, which is a fairly like common thing in well, Islam. That's what Jinnis did? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't truly. Yeah, like a kiss from a disciple to a master, and the way that, like, you know, if you go to Mecca, you'll kiss the black stone because Muhammad kissed it. And it's like an indirect spiritual connection. I see what they're trying to Um, do, but I feel like going to Mecca and kissing the stone is quite a different experience to going to a cabin with your boyfriend and getting drunk and then doing all that kissing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Also, like,
1: so he rides past and Hussein's like, oh my god, that is the one who I need to, like, bring to God and save everyone. I'm so distraught.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, like that's not that's, what, that's not what's happening no. <laughs> there. Yeah. And we also, I feel like we know from Hussein's own sort of spiritual understanding, it was very like, I'm a child at play, I follow my whims. Yeah. And my whim is he. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like yeah. trying to divorce Hussein's personal desire from his spirituality is just like, yeah, 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 you can't be like, no, 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 this is just a religious thing because like that's not how for he... him, those aren't separate, I guess as, yeah, 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 The other thing that often happens is so that's the only like description of that level of intimacy mm-hmm. between Madhu and Hussein, and so it often gets read as like a one off initiation of some kind, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yes, he this, this is on the regular. No, no, this is also nonsense. There's no evidence that he did this on the regular, or that anyone else was doing this on the regular. This okay. is just like another way for scholars to be like, but he just had sex that one time okay. for like Religious. spiritual reasons. So, which scholars? When you say scholars, are saying this. What scholars are you talking about? So, we've talked about um, Kugel and Ramakrishna. I-, I talk about Kugel and Ramakrishna because they're writing in English. There's like a long lineage before this mm-hmm. of scholars writing in Arabic. So was like in Punjabi. Um, so is it like these older Arabic and Punjabi scholars that are making these kind of claims. Both older and like more recent. Oh, okay. Um, uh-huh. Unfortunately, I don't have names because, because you can't read these texts. They didn't. Yeah, the people yeah. that I read often didn't give them to me. They just sort of talked about like how he was perceived.
1: So, is there any evidence that this happens again? Not directly,
0: but like, come on, is that... Yeah, basically, (laughs) at some point, he starts, you know, he becomes known by the name Madhu, Madhu Lal Hussein. Other than a three-year stint where Madhu does military service, they lived together until the end of Hussein's life in 1599. It's unclear on how long this was. We know that he met Madhu after he was 36, because that's when he had his spiritual wine drinking awakening but we don't I don't really know beyond that following Hussein's death Madhu spent a period of mourning joined the army again spent some years in the army and then returned to Lahore to live an ascetic life by Hussein's tomb and like took on the mantle of like his spiritual successor Ooh. Okay. And when Madhu died, which was some 50 years after Hussein. Oh, wow. So, was Madu much younger than Hussein? Madhu is much younger than Hussein. Okay. Oh, and this is when you mentioned that it was a relationship with the age gap. Yeah. 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 Like when we said early that Madhu was a youth, he was a like or a, a young man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know okay. exactly what that meant, but we do know that Hussein was 36 or over and Madhu was like in that sort of Mm. Late teens, early yeah. 20s age, I guess. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Old enough to ride around the streets trying to pick people up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, there is an age gap between them. And, yeah, Madhu died some 50 years after Hussein, but they were buried side by side at the same tomb. They're still there.
1: It's pretty intense to still, I assume, like, be fairly devoted to yeah. Hussein, given the I spiritual... Mean, Successorness and the
0: burial Mm. for fifty for fifty years. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what to say about that other than that is yeah. pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty intense. Uh, yeah, and I guess to some extent, like, because it's a it's a spiritual thing then as well as a personal mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you can, be, you can believe in God for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> a lot longer right? you can be in love with the one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I did want to have a quick chat about the age difference. Because. You got it. Because, one, I've got it, and two, we talked the other week about whether or not we would discuss a person who had only ever had a you know. Oh, A relationship and we were like we would probably not do that and then I immediately did it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think when we said that though I was picturing that like in that sort of 20th century Yeah. thing yeah. like you know spoilers that like, next season we're probably going to talk about some ancient Greeks cuz it's wild that we never have and like it's that's we're so going to be solely with like even younger yeah boys and even like you know not big yeah. age gaps necessarily because we have no idea what any of these age gaps are, but yeah. like a more marked difference. I think when it's like in a different time and place, you play by different rules. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: That's true, and I also think like he does kind of hold a position, especially for like queer Muslim scholars. Mm-hmm. He kind of holds a position mm-hmm. as like a queer Muslim figure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't and I think- necessarily like
1: even sound all of all that uncomfortable to me necessarily, and that like obviously even if he's a youth he's old enough to kind of like
0: yeah he's out in
1: the world old enough to be out there looking for it yeah
0: yeah yeah like he's actively riding around on his horse trying to pick people up basically so like even though that doesn't give us a very specific age it gives us a bit of an idea and gives him kind of agency yeah. Yeah, yeah and i guess you also get that thing where like as an adult after the death of hussein he's interested in the spiritual legacy of hussein mm-hmm. i think like i
1: guess it is possible that he was like 17 and out riding a horse winking yeah at people like fine. yeah but, yeah and i think like you know it, it continues on into yeah into adulthood, like, adulthood like, and so forth it's like yeah like from the standards of today that's still a bit uncomfortable but but... i think that we can kind of just accept that as a historical reality that doesn't seem to have been like overtly predatory i Um, think what we specifically said on the sam stewart episode is if they continuously only had relationships with teenagers yeah which would suggest that that is a preference specifically for youth yeah like I, i think actually it's plausible that we would talk about some 20th century like 35 year old man who got into a relationship with a 17 year old boy and then that continued until the 17 year old boy was 40 and he was dead yeah i not think yeah. that's impossible like obviously yeah. there's we would discuss the issue sure but, yeah but i think my concern when we talked about this in the same okay. sort of episode yeah. was more like if there's an obvious marked preference for people who are not adults
0: yeah yeah and that that's definitely okay. not what's happened to you. That's true like yeah. that winds up being a long-term relationship yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I think even, again, like, if
1: that had been the case here, that, like, surely at that point we're demanding modern ethics out of historical periods, Mm -hmm. and we're not demanding that from these figures in any other capacity. We've talked Mm. about people who are, like, murderers and all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Obviously it's something we have to address as it comes up. Yeah. But, again, we've talked about the Romans. Yeah. Who don't have sexual ethics functionally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they do. They're just terrible. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that comes down to what we said last time again, where you have to make case by case sure, yeah, on what's yeah, acceptable. I think that's correct. There was this little, like, argument going on where Kugel was responding to Ramakrishna about this, where Ramakrishna very much put it into the context of, like, Greek pederasty, which she says came to the Punjab region through Persia. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... It's is that just, a fact? Or that's like same the words. thing
1: that she says. Alrighty. Um, yeah.
0: What? It's like she goes on to True say. Persia. There's like some connection there. Um, sure, but, but I, like, I don't
1: think Persia got pederasty from Greece no. in a straightforward way.
0: No, but it's 1934. Okay, okay, I know, um, I know. I'm yeah, sorry. Man. No, there's, the reason I am bringing this up is by saying this, she kind of claims that homosexuality is foreign to okay. Indian oh, culture. yeah, yeah. Um, this claim. Yeah. yeah. The one we even encounter in ancient Rome where they're like, no, the Greeks brought it here. <laughs> yeah, and Kugel is very much like, this is ridiculous. Hussain is a Punjabi figure. He writes Punjabi, like, about Punjabi folk stories in Punjabi. Um, yeah, yeah. This is not a Greek situation. It's not like, <laughs> um, oh, the Greeks yeah. brought Ganus here via Persia. This is, like, a Greek import. But I also do wonder whether ramakrishna made this great connection because that made him more acceptable in the context that she was writing i don't and know that if, is interesting yeah mm. yeah i don't know mm. um mm.
1: yeah i would like to know more about the context in which she did that because yeah like, i would love to know more yeah. about like
0: her her that just like, sounds like what such department an interesting did this fall under and what university I yeah she was writing the about like Punjabi literature, yeah. she writes a bunch more like short biographies of Punjabi poets. Mm. Okay, but I don't mm. know like how that fitted into her university. I could
1: see that being a kind of like like at the time, or if you're at Oxford now, I believe like Orientals mm. sort of degree yeah, that yeah. is quite connected to an influence to classics department. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: sort of what I was thinking when I was like, maybe there's a reason she wanted to link this relationship to Greek pederasty.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. You can sort of
0: suggests that there's
1: cultural similarities there though without necessarily saying that like it's a direct
0: yeah influence of yeah no that's that's true and it's also maybe that she wanted to separate homosexuality from her own culture as an Indian person yeah yeah, yeah. 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 it's interesting though hypothetically if- she was trying to separate her own culture and homosexuality and say it was like an import. Why choose to write that PhD then? Yeah, that's that's interesting. She definitely chose to write that PhD. Yeah, like if she doesn't want to accept homosexuality in India, you wouldn't write your PhD on a gay Punjabi man.
1: Mm, I mean, wouldn't you if he's like famous in his sort of own right not just for the gay part? Maybe, like, yeah. maybe. If you think about, I'm sure we could think of comfortable situations in the ancient world where there were probably people writing writing PhDs about, like, Socrates at the time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's true, that's
0: true, yeah. 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 Yeah, you might be interested from another point of view. She, in her PhD, was just sort of talking about his life. Yeah, okay. Like, okay. The, his life story, kind of. So she's not focusing on the his um, sexuality or anything? She's not focusing on his sexuality, but this relationship was, like, a major part mm. of his life. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It was just this little yeah, spat that, is that she yeah. and Kugel had. Yeah, yeah. Um, when is Kugel writing? Like, now. Okay. They okay. just I had was, a spat over, like, it. seven years. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. That's how academia is. It's like, yeah. you may be dead, but I'm still going to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, having had that chat, anything else anyone wants to say? I'm at the end of my notes. I love this poem. Yeah, I want to read this whole poem. I, I would too. love to read this whole poem, and I could only read excerpts, unfortunately. Is it – is there a full English translation? Like, is no. it – oh, oh no. I just can't. With that, we've been Queer as Fact. I'm Irene. I'm Eli. I'm Alice. If you enjoyed this episode – I'm sure you know where you can find the rest of our episodes, <laughs> wherever this one was. If you really enjoyed it, you can leave us a rating and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere that you listen to it is great. And if you do review us, we will perhaps read it out on the podcast. And Eli probably has one for us now. Yeah, so this
1: is five stars from the underscore dinosaur from Australia. (laughs) Oh, Oh, hey! hey! They're our friend, probably.
0: (gasps) Hope you're doing well. One of the 12 queers.
1: (laughs) It makes us sound like we are disciples (laughs) of one mega queer who is out there somewhere.
0: Yes. (laughs) Which one of us is the Judas?
1: We've, already we've ruined this person's review <laughs> we do it's entitled we, we really do this every time it's entitled giggle and learn simultaneously
0: that is what we've been doing today absolutely. yeah it sure is it reads
1: this is exactly the podcast I was looking for the hosts try so hard to be sensitive and to think critically about everything I hope that happened to this episode <laughs> I think we made jorts jokes and then just got enthralled and forgot to do scholarship that's <laughs> yeah and at the same time, they're also funny and such a nice group of people to listen to. Also, they take the academic side of the podcast so seriously.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I could like really let you down. This episode, the dinosaur. <laughs> I think Irene <laughs> tried did really well hard. By the dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> so much time
1: must go into planning, researching, and editing each episode. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Yeah, it <laughs> <Yeah>, sure does. <laughs> this is really like a professional research service that is being provided to us for free, unless you pay them on Patreon. And they fill an important gap in what we're taught about key things in history, as well as seeking out lesser known figures to bring to light, which is great work, well done, extremely good, and marvellous, fantastic, awesome, yay, wonderful.
0: (laughs) Oh! Thank you. thank you for gaming the algorithm. Yeah,
1: thanks for gaming the algorithm. (laughs) Also, I'm writing this nice review, even though I'm from Sydney. Oh, hi! I hope you're okay. Melbourne's possibly, maybe, a bit better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Uh, you're right. I I was going to say we're going to tastefully not comment on that out of politeness.
0: (laughs) I've never been to Sydney and now I'm never leaving Victoria.
1: (laughs) No, never leaving. It is forbidden. But also I'd really appreciate it if you could find Sydney's answer to Lesbia. And if they could please hmm. also be called lesbian, that would of course be even better but no pressure
0: on that one. Now we'll do it. I think we can promise to do I, it on that one. I do have <laughs> do you, you, you were about to say I do have a pregnant queer friend in Sydney. <laughs> we can make Tell them, your oh, brother the, the next baby. <laughs> Alright,
1: fine. I'll have to wait really hard on the episode and also just because my brother is gay it does not mean that every child he has is also gay.
0: <laughs> oh, what? Doesn't <laughs> that work? Oh, okay. Um no. No, I do have a queer woman from Sydney that I thought about doing an episode on, which is, I feel like, kind of a similar episode to Lesbians. Okay. She's like a nice queer Australian woman. What story. did she do? She was a mountaineer. Oh, cool. She climbed mountains.
1: The she, dinosaur. Yeah. Do you like mountains? <laughs> that satisfy <that laughs> <sounds funny>. you? <laughs> well, maybe they don't like mountains.
0: That's true. Anyway, yes, yeah, so that's a possibility.
1: Okay. Well, maybe we should do that because I'm very fond of Alex, Sydney pal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for your review. The dinosaur, which I can only imagine means they're, like, the superlative dinosaur. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. This is it. Which is very impressive. It's like the big queer, the 13th queer. <gasps> oh, it's they, it's them.
1: <laughs> it's them.
0: Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll have to wrap this up before it gets too off the way. All right. <laughs> you can find us on social media as Queer as Fact on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. If you want to email us directly, we're at Queer at Fact at gmail.com. If you somehow have spare money in this economy, I don't know, um... <laughs> You're welcome to sign up for our Patreon, or you can buy Queer as Fact merch on Redbubble. This is it for Season 4 of Queer as Fact. Queer as Fact respectfully acknowledges the Yalakut-Wheelam clan of the Morang. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present, and acknowledge and uphold their continuing relationship to the land on which this podcast is recorded. We do have some bonus content ideas for the break, so, like, keep an eye out. And we will be back on the 1st of June when Eli will be talking about the Mexican artist Frida Kahlo. Thanks for listening and we'll see you then.